like that. You want to try that. Everybody and welcome it's back like to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. And give us a round of applause, please, ladies and gentlemen. I, I can't really do I'm going to try and do my best to give myself a round of applause here. This is our third straight episode, our third episode in a row. We have been on a very nice streak. We didn't record. If we recorded last Monday or put out a show last Monday, we would have been on an absolutely ridiculous tear. But we have uh, we have struggled with that. But we're trying to get better. And we're continuing to get better. And, uh, yeah, we've been recording on Saturdays. Saturdays has been the big show. We've been recording on Friday nights posting shows on Saturday, but yeah, we're, we're trying to get back into more consistent theme and it's going to be a fun one. I am thoroughly excited to record this episode of the Logan Blackman show because I'm in a different, completely, completely different mindset than I was last time we were on a show after football on Sunday. So we'll get all to that in a little bit more on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman show. But first, Let's make sure we go over to housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have a new video out on the YouTube channel where we go over our week two quarterback prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft. We had some very good performances this past weekend as well for our week upcoming Week 3 rankings, as well as some uh, not-so-great performances. We might see some new faces completely in the top 10 with some people potentially dropping out as well. But the most important thing here, since you are listening to it right now, make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts, and make sure to leave a rating out of 5 stars on both of them. It doesn't need to be a 5-star rating exactly, but if you feel like the show is up to that standard, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate to give the show a five-star rating, but if you feel it's less than that, then that's fine. You can rate it however the hell you want. Just make sure you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. It could be about an individual episode. It could be about the show in general. It can be about the host. If you want to see a new host here on the Logan Blackman Show, go ahead and let me know down below. Now, speaking of new hosts, new hosts, and that's not a, like a preemptor to like, oh, we got someone here on the Logan Blackman Show today. No, it's just me today. It's just me today. I, I apologize for that. It's just me on this Monday edition of the show, but it's always funny, like, looking at week one of football season, it is always the most overreactionary day of the football calendar, because you don't know anything that's going to happen the rest of the season, but you're guaranteed one thing, and that's your last performance, and when you played bad, that changes the perspective of every single thing that people expected to happen going forward with the rest of the season, and they're going to be calling for people's heads. And some people are, you know, hesitant to go out and say, "Hey, we're gonna go with a, we're gonna go in a completely different direction." And other people are just like, "Hey," or did I say that one first? I was gonna try and say like, there's some people that just want it done right away, and there's other people that are like, "Oh, let's go with the flow. Let's see how it plays out." Like the New York Giants right now, they got lost forty to nothing last week to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in front of America, and then right now, as we sit here on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, it's September seventeenth right now as I'm recording. Oh, they're starting to come back. They're starting to come back. They were down 28-7 to to the Arizona Cardinals, easily perceived as the worst team in the NFL. They were down 20 to nothing at halftime to a team quarterbacked by Josh Dobbs. I cannot stress that enough. That is way worse than what we were expecting. Now, I would say we did predict the New York Giants would have some sort of a downturn this year. Like They met a lot of expectations that people didn't really expect in the beach. Last year, especially Daniel Dones, who signed a nice little contract extension after that Vikings playoff game 
which saw the Vikings fire their defensive coordinator because of that. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out for the New York Giants for the rest of the season, but they're playing the Cardinals. They should win this game. It looks like they got momentum back on their side, so we'll have to wait and see on that, but it's funny just to see how things, how people react to week one. And last week, throughout the entire week, we heard over and over again about how Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo, this is the third straight show, actually, where I believe we have started off a show talking about the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen because it was talked about so much last week that we got to address it. We've got to address it. As a Bills fan, as someone that watches this team every single freaking week, I'm going to address this more and with hopefully a more level head and not as overreactionary like, man, this guy actually freaking sucks. This guy's terrible. This guy's terrible. Was I extremely frustrated with how the game went last Monday night? Of course I was. Of course I was. When you lose a game 22-16 to 16 or whatever the hell the final score was, I don't really care. I don't really remember what the final score was to be exactly. I've kind of erased that game from my memory banks. When you lose a game like that, when the Jets are just exclusively lining up at 13 personnel, just not throwing the ball, not throwing the ball whatsoever, and Josh Allen turns the ball over four times, I'm going to get extremely frustrated. But not once did I ever believe that the Bills should bench Josh Allen or go in a completely different direction. But you would see on social media, which is always a great place to find brilliant opinions about football, some people were saying that. I will never forget. I will bring this up as many times as possible about that Denver Broncos post that said the Denver Broncos dodged a bullet by not drafting Josh Allen in 2018. We have seen people compare Josh Allen to Mac Jones, of all people. And when you look at strictly the numbers, this is what I have a problem with, with people quote-unquote scouting players, because they're doing it just off the, you know, the, the box scores and stuff like that. Watch the game. And then tell me how they actually played. Because when you compare Josh Allen and they compared Mac Jones, Mac Jones' numbers, in some cases, are better. He has less interceptions. He has one less yard. He has a higher completion percentage. He has a higher passer rating. Less touchdowns, passing touchdowns. But we're conveniently ignoring the rushing yards in there as well, just because it fits our argument. Josh Allen and Mac Jones are nowhere near each other. I would just like to start that off. Josh Allen and any of the quarterbacks the Denver Broncos have had since 2018 are nowhere near each other. Nowhere near each other. It's not even a topic of debate, but yet that week on Monday, last week on Monday, the last two games we saw Josh Allen playing were the Cincinnati Bengals playoff game where the Bills got absolutely trounced at home and the New York Jets Monday Night Football game. The last two games we saw Bills the Bills play some of the worst football they ever have, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, against the Jets, they looked all right, actually. But again, they were just specific only running 13 personnel, which is three tight ends, one back. Brees Hall was eating up 20 yards a carry, essentially, in this game. Which is crazy what happened today when you look at Josh Jacobs got negative two yards rushing. Negative two yards rushing. Josh Jacobs, the NFL's reigning rushing champion, finished with negative two yards rushing on at nine rushes, according to Elias Sports on Twitter. This is the first time since 1970 merger a reigning NFL rushing champion finished a game with negative rushing yardage. Josh Jacobs, negative yards rushing, negative two. The Bills' defense is playing better than they were at this point last year. Like, they were just, they're flying all over the place. They're making plays. The the Raiders had a really good first drive because they were all in their script, and then after that, it was pretty much done, though. It was done after that. The Raiders ran one drive, had one drive in the third quarter. One drive. 
and the Bills absolutely trounced the Raiders 38-10. So now we're going on social media, and I saw this before I got on the air, or before they got on the air, before I started recording. Remember last week, we saw the whole, oh, 84 touchdown, or 84 intercept turnovers by Josh Allen, most of the NFL since 2018. Today, 27-year-old Josh Allen has five career games with three passing touchdowns while completing at least 80% of his passes. That's the most before turning 30 in NFL history. How we have changed from week one to week two. And I don't want to hear anything about it being just the Raiders. I do not want to hear anything about it being just the Raiders. Because remember, we brought this up just a little bit ago. The Denver Broncos posted said they dodged a bullet by not drafting Josh Allen. The Broncos lost to the Raiders last week. Okay? So we're not going to talk about, oh, it's just the Raiders. We would be talking about it being just the Raiders if that blog post didn't exist. And people out there might not, may not have even seen the blog post. But the fact that it exists, nonetheless, makes it a talking point. And a frustrating talking point at that. I understand what era we are in around a clickbait journalism where it doesn't really matter what we say because people are just going to click on the title and we're just going to get the view counter. We're not going to actually put any work in or evidence on why Josh Allen is, they avoid, they dodged a bullet by not drafting Josh Allen. So no, we are not going to go the route of, it's just the Raiders. The Broncos lost the Raiders. A team that apparently dodged a bullet by drafting a guy who won 30 to 10 lost to the Raiders. So we are going to pound that into the freaking earth, <laughs> the dirt, all the way down to the depths of hell that that blog post was written. It is insane. Absolutely insane post. And Josh Allen looked really good today. Efficient. Took what the defense gave him. Did not try to force anything deep. The Bills' run game was awesome. And I love that people are starting to come around to this on Twitter. Dames Cook is better than Devin Singletary ever was. And that's not even just going off today. We were saying this last year. We were saying this during last season that the Bills need to go with the James Cook direction. Let James Cook is what we were saying all last season. And yet they kept trying to feed the ball to Devin Singletary. Last Monday night, we heard Troy Aikman say the Bills don't have a check. They don't really a check down offense because they've never had a running back be able to catch the ball. And if they did catch the ball, wouldn't do anything after they caught the ball. James Cook is that guy. James Cook had 36 yards receiving as well as 123 yards on the ground. And in the red zone, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray scored touchdowns really effective in the red zone. Josh Allen making a Josh Allen-esque play or Mac Jones-esque play. I'm sorry. I've seen jo I've seen Mac Jones do this so much throughout his career, making a play out of literally nothing, backpedaling, defenders all around him, side-arming it to Gabe Davis for a touchdown. Just a very Mac Jones-esque play there. Like, sure, you want to compare numbers? Fine. Do that. Have fun with that. And I love the whole thing with the 84 turnovers and stuff like that because you look at the other quarterbacks that are below Josh Allen in that in that turn in that uh, category. Jared Goff who is, remember, on this historical run of not throwing an interception, or at least he was. I guess I didn't see if he threw an interception today. But at least he was on a historical run of not throwing an interception. Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, and Baker Mayfield. Only one of these guys, Josh Allen included there, had a top three offense at any point. Now we're going to ignore the touchdowns, which would heavily, heavily favor Josh Allen in this. We're going to completely ignore that. We're going to completely ignore the rushing yards. We're going to ignore exactly every single statistical metric that totally trumps this argument. But you know what? Josh Allen has 84 turnovers. That means he sucks. Ignoring every little thing else that he has done for the Buffalo Bills offense. Again, last Monday was extremely frustrating. I let my emotions flow heavily on Wednesday when we recorded. It was a frustrating game. But I'm not losing faith in Josh Allen as the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. I'll never do that. 
Like your your Lord and Savior Joe Burrow shit the bed again today against the Ravens defense. And now he's got another calf strain. He re-aggravated his calf strain. Like, I love Joe Burrow, but man, why are we not getting hate on Joe Burrow now? Where's the hate on that? I haven't seen anything on social media about that. Josh Allen got buried six feet under last week. Maybe even go 24 feet under. Or maybe maybe just go all the way down to like 42 feet under because it was at seven days Josh Allen got buried. So every day is six feet for Josh Allen. It's 42 feet down. I saw someone on Twitter when they, there was a graphic that popped up on ESPN. It was about Jalen Hurts throwing. Yeah, here it is. Jalen Hurts this season. It was two. Oh, I didn't screw the whole thing. Two turnovers in five quarters or something like that. And I don't remember what the other picture said. And then they were like, <laughs> someone tweeted this. I had the, a mitigated goal to tweet this. I just watched Josh Allen throw three interceptions to the same dude and lose a fumble. But y'all don't want to want to say a damn thing about him. What? <laughs> That was all ESPN talked about last week. That's all they talked about last week. And you know what? They're probably not going to mention anything about what happened here because, again, it was just the Raiders. It was just the Raiders, guys. Come on. It was just the Raiders. We all knew Josh Allen and the Bills were going to dominate the Raiders. Don't care. I just don't care. (laughs) He was dead and buried. Dead and buried quarterbacks can't do that to any NFL team, let alone just the Raiders. Like, come on. It's just funny how it all works out. It's very funny how it all works out. But again, the Bills look really good today. This is one of the best games from uh, offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. It's probably his best game of his career, to be honest. And we're including the likes of the Rams game last year, the Titans game after that. Like, there's other games you can include in there, but this was probably his best one when you look at how fluid the offense was, how dominant they were in the run game as well. They averaged 5.2 yards a carry. James Cook averaged 7.2 yards a carry himself. Like they got so many different people involved in the game who caught a pass. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different people for the Buffalo Bills caught a pass in this game. So we have nine different people catching a pass today. They averaged 5.2 yards to carry, 183 yards as a team. And Josh Allen only ran the ball three times. Did he try to hurdle someone again? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You're not going to coach that out of him. We talked about that being an insanely frustrating part of Josh Allen's game. But guess what? He's going to do it regardless. Like Sean McDermott saying, be smart, and he does it the, the next play. Again, I don't know if the coaches actually tell him or if they do, he just ignores them. I have no idea what he does with that. I have no idea. But 31-37, 274, three touchdowns. Again, nothing really crazy deep. It's a lot of dink and dunk passes. But, hey, if they're giving you that and you're going to eat up yards, do it. Josh Allen hit Gabe Davis down the sideline on a beautiful throw on the run, which I've never seen Mac Jones or anybody on the Denver Broncos since they've been on the Broncos do – those are the two quarterbacks, or the multiple quarterbacks we're going to compare to. Funny how this all works out now. And yes, I'm bitter or bitter. I'm petty. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. And then Steph Diggs doing the shout song after they scored a touchdown. Yeah, he looks like he doesn't want to be there. He really doesn't look like he wants to be there. I love the narrative around this Buffalo Bills team right now. I actually thoroughly enjoy it. I was I was confident going into the season because of the fact everybody was shitting on the Bills like, oh, I saw people saying they weren't going to make the playoffs this year. I saw people burying them last week, all last week. And now we're talking about this game. Stephon Diggs wants to leave the team. Josh Allen's washed. Josh Allen's actually never been good. Josh Allen fooled us into thinking he's a good quarterback. So, yeah, I'm petty. <laughs> Call me Deion Sanders because I'm petty and I'm going to let you know about it. I'm going to let you know every stupid thing you said. 
leading up to this game. Again, do not care. It's just the Raiders. You can say that all you want. Do not care. Do not care in the freaking slice. Matt Milano mossed Josh Jacobs on an interception this game as well. Terrell Bernard, we had question marks going into the season about him being the middle linebacker, and I still do have those, those question marks. But he had an interception in the game as well. Like, that's what you want to see. The two linebackers, the two starting linebackers from Bills, both got interceptions in this game. They had a nine-minute drive to start the second half. Nine minutes. The Raiders, again, had one drive, one singular drive in the second in the third quarter, sorry. One drive in the third quarter. Like, let's look at the two drives, that, the three drives that were in that quarter. Bills had a nine-minute drive. Raiders had a two-minute drive, and the Bills saw it the fourth quarter, the third quarter, the rest of the drive. And then their next touchdown drive, seven minutes, seven-and-a-half-minute drive, their next touchdown drive. Like, these were long, extended drives. And what we saw in the game against the Jets was them trying to hit the home run in every single play. It's been my criticism about this offense and Josh's play since last year. Because that was the times we've seen it more, about the Bills wanting to go deep every single time. We compared it to the Houston Oilers run-and-shoot offense in the 80s and 90s. Where, like, if you're trying to go a home run every single time and it doesn't work, guess what? An incomplete pass stops the clock. A turnover, an interception stops the clock and gives the ball to the other team. Like when the Bills came back in that playoff game in the 90s, the Oilers weren't running the ball. They never established some sort of run, so the clock just stopped. So the Bills got all momentum back. Every time they made a stop, momentum got back. So the clock kept stopping because you throw incomplete passes. Last year, they had no sem- outside of Josh Allen, they had no semblance of a running game. That's why I loved this game so much. Because this is everything that my problem with the Bills was going into the season. This is what I expected going in. Like, this is what I want to see the rest of the season, I mean. Like, an established running attack. A running back that can catch the ball in the backfield. Not only that, make plays out of that. A guy with burst in the backfield. Receivers all over the field that can make plays. Again, nine different players caught a ball in this game. Don Kincaid looked really good. What kind of stupid play call was that? I'm watching the Raiders or Rams versus 49ers play right now. What was that play call? That, okay, I, I don't get that. I do not understand that play or whatever. Well, the, the Rams are probably going to lose this game. And this, this you wouldn't know watching this game live, but this is in L.A. There is red everywhere in the state. You would not be able to tell this was a game at the Rams. You wouldn't be able to tell. The L.A. The LA thing has been terrible from the jump, and we knew that going in. Everybody was aware there was going to be a failure going into the season or the, when they first moved there. Like for St. Louis, though they're a smaller city, a smaller market, they're an extremely loyal fan base. You cross them, they're done. They're done. You have no real fan. I understand you had fans in L.A. originally because that's where the team originated from. But they're gone. Most fans in L.A. are Raiders fans. And Raiders, fan- Raiders are in Vegas now. <laughs> the team that should have moved to Vegas to move to L.A. is in Vegas. The Chargers were in L.A. for about two years and they moved to San Diego. And guess what? You soured your relationship down there. You wouldn't be able to tell there's home games for either one of these teams at the same stadium. You wouldn't be able to tell. I would love to know what a game would be like going to there when the Chargers and Rams are playing each other. I would love to know what that feels like because there's no away fans to actually fill the place up. So you do like would the Chargers and Rams fans combined be able to sell at the stadium. I don't know. I don't know how that would work out, but it'd be an interesting experiment to see, right? I don't know how many times they've played in LA against each other since they both moved there. If at all, if they have, I'm completely forgetting about the time they have. Do they play in the preseason? Have they done that? If someone, if they have, then I, I apologize because I'm, I'm completely forgetting about it. But yeah, the Raiders, the team again that should be in Los Angeles, 
Got beat down today. Got beat down fairly heavily today. Really bad performance from the Raiders. Dominant performance from the Bills, actually. <laughs> their, their first drive of the game was awesome because they're on script. Rest of that was done. It was done after that. Because you got Josh McDaniels as a head coach. There's nothing you can really do about that. Like, I still think the Raiders are a bad team. I know they won week one. I, I don't know if I remember. I don't remember if I said they would win week one or not, but they're not a good football team. And that proved it. Today proved it. And the Bills are a good football team. And I also like to say Spencer Brown had a great game as well. We talked about how bad he played last week and how he struggled last season. But he had a great game against Max Crosby. Great game. Great game against Max Crosby. Like, it was a, it was just an all-around great game. That's what the Bills unlocked offense is. An elite, I say elite, a nice running back trio where you're sparing all the people. Josh Allen being elite in the pass game. And he's not asked to do anything in the run game. Again, he had seven yards running in this game. Seven yards. When's the last time Josh Allen had seven yards and the Bills had over 100 yards rushing as a team? When's the last time that's happened? Sub 10 yards, Josh Allen, Bills as a team have over 100 yards. Has that happened? It sure as hell doesn't feel like it's happened if it has. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. And Gabe Davis, or Stephon Diggs and James Cook didn't even score in this game. Like freaking Khalil Shakir, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox. Like, it's not the people that you would see. Like Khalil Shakir, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris. I don't know if a lot of people had them scoring touchdowns today. I don't. And I'm excited to see what happens with this offense when Dalton Kincaid actually gets unleashed. Because he's looking really good right now. He's looking very, very good. But yeah, great game. Great game from the Bills. And then you had some other games going on this morning as well. You had the Titans beating the Chargers in overtime, which the Chargers just can't get out of their own way. That's just a common theme with them. Can't get out of their own way. This team is way too talented to be losing to a team like the Titans. I don't care. The Titans are a bad team. They are a bad football team. The Chargers have enough talent to beat this team by 100 points. And yet they didn't. And yet they didn't. So, Austin Eckler being out, does that hurt? Of course it does. Of course it does. But still, you should not have any troubles with this Titans team. You really shouldn't. Then we had another overtime game. Had another overtime game. The Seahawks versus the Lions. Seahawks won 37-31. We had a a couple near overtime games. We had the Falcons and Packers. Desmarinder and the Falcons. Go 2-0 on the season, looking better and better. To go to my NFC South prediction, Bijan Robinson, 124 yards on the ground in the game. Looks really good. Looks really, 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 really good. Jordan Love, I believe, had three passing touchdowns in this game as well. So back to that games with three touchdowns for Jordan Love. Didn't put up a ton of yards in this game, but still. Three touchdowns, no picks in this one, same as last week. So six touchdowns, no picks on the season. Very good stuff. And then a division rival, the Bears. Um, yeah, we need to have a, a dialogue about Justin Fields here real quick. We need to have a dialogue around Justin Fields because I've defended Justin Fields on a few occasions on the show because I think he's a very athletic dude. I think he's got all the talent to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. I think he's got the arm. I think he's got, obviously, the the smarts for it. He's got the mobility for it. I think he's got the right mentality. But the problem is he holds onto the ball way too long. Like, way too, like an egregious amount of time. Like, I understand the Bears offensive line is nothing special. But even when they do create a pocket and there's open receivers, he just holds onto the ball and takes a sack. Like, is he expecting the Bears off the line to protect him for 10 seconds, 15 seconds? Because that's what it kind of looks like at times. Like, this has been my main thing with Justin Fields since he came to the league. It doesn't look like he trusts anybody. That's my big issue with him. 
like from his rookie year to now, that's been a common theme. It doesn't look like he's comfortable or trusts anybody on the field that's on the field with him. It doesn't. And I'm not a Bears fan, so I'm not hyper-analyzing the Bears football as much as like a real-life Bears fan, but they'd be more even, even more critical on Justin Fields than I would be. Because I've said this in the past, nobody hates the Chicago Bears more than no fans. Nobody. They are, and I love it. I think it's hilarious. Like, they are such a disappointment to Bears fans out there that it just makes them hate them. And they're like, why do I do this? Like, I was talking to a friend yesterday. I was talking to Jared yesterday about this. It's like you're watching a game and you're just like, man, I hate this. It's the worst thing ever. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to sit your ass back down, watch the game next week. But they're going to complain the entire week leading up to it. The Bears now are on their 12th straight loss. Longest after losing streak in the NFL. 12 straight. There are some people out there, and I'm not too afraid, not afraid to admit this, I thought they'd be 2-0 right at this point. I did not think there was any chance in hell they would be looking this bad going into the season. And I had no thought that the Buccaneers would be 2-0. Or 1-1, for that matter. I didn't think they beat the Vikings. I didn't think they beat the Bears. They beat both of them. Beat both of them. Two NFC North teams down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they're already halfway to my four-win prediction. <laughs> that, that prediction's not looking great. That prediction's not looking great. But, hey, Baker's looking all right. He's looking all right for them. Rashad White looks really good for him. Looks really solid for them, which is what you expected from Rashad White. Like, we liked him coming out of Arizona State. We talked about him here on the show from when he was coming out of Arizona State. So, yeah, I'm happy for what he's doing there. I'm glad he's getting a chance to number one guy there. But, good Lord. I did not think the Bears would look this good. Or this bad, sorry. No. <laughs> this good. Hell no. Hell no. It's bad. Like, Justin Fields got sacked six times. I would wager. I Again, I haven't seen a lot of the game. I'm only going off what my guesstimate would be, just from what I've seen from Justin Fields through his career at this point. I would bet about half of those are on him. At this point in time, I understand. Again, the Bears' offensive line is not very good. We know that. We know it's not very good. But he traded number one overall pick for DJ Moore. So, and DJ Moore had 104 yards receiving today. Solid. But, man, I don't know. Like, I, I saw a bunch of screenshots of people being wide-ass open. Like, I saw one today of a seam route, and he's staring right at it and just not throwing the ball. And you go, well, Logan, that was a picture. It's not going to move. Well, no, even in <laughs> the game, he's staring him down, and it's not moving. He's not looking at him. He's not throwing the ball. Why? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I can't really explain it at this point. A lot of it, I think, is just trust. I think that's his big issue, is he doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust the O line. He doesn't trust any of the weapons. And you're looking at them as a like an optimist and go like, well, you wouldn't trust these guys either. Look at some of the people around. Him, like they were just told. They, I guess they had a meeting with Chase Claypool that said you're going to get shipped out of here if you don't actually show some effort. Chase Claypool, the guy they traded a second round pick for. So now you got people on Twitter, Bears fans, going like, man, we. You know what? Justin Fields might not be it. Justin Fields might not actually be it. And there's starting to come a realization of that. The more and more Bears fans I've talked to are starting to go, oh my God, Zach. And there's a guy, I switched over to the Jets game. Zach Wilson just threw an interception. So another, the guy was taken by the Jets. Second overall in that draft. Man, that draft's struggling right now. 2021 NFL draft is struggling with quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence didn't have the greatest game today, but he's easily the best one. We knew that going into the season, but remember the NFL top 100 players had Justin Fields like, what, 86? And that development was going to be big for him going like, oh, the Bears could be an eight-win team now if Justin Fields take that leap. Like, look at his number. I hate when people do this. Look at his numbers compared to Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts when when he, they were this way. They're not the same quarterback. They're not the same people. 
Like, that's why I hate when people scout helmets, like coming out of college. Like, when's the last time an Ohio State quarterback was good in, co- good in the NFL? Okay? So, they're all different. You have different mentalities, different reasons why they sucked in the NFL, different reasons why they were successful in college. At Justin Fields, there are going to be more people going like, hey, you see, when's the last time we saw a good Ohio State quarterback in the NFL? But it is kind of sad. That's what we talked about before. People being super overreactionary. Like, it's week two. It's week two. We were going into the season going like, hey, again, this team could take that step this year. Maybe we see them as a potential playoff team. Maybe we see them potentially win the division. Now we're sitting here 0-2, and Justin Fields is apparently not the answer anymore. Two games. Granted, against two teams that some people going into the season maybe thought they would win. Both of them. Packers and Bears. Like, if the Packers were going to get beat, it was this year. If the Bears were finally going to get over that hum and beat the Packers, what is it, eight, nine games in a row they've lost to the Packers? Like, if they were going to finally get over that, it was going to be this year. They have a brand new quarterback for the first time in 100 years. So it's like, hey, this is going to be our time to strike. And you didn't do that. Not only that, you looked like complete horse shit when you did it. It was awful. Absolutely awful. Play calling's not great. Like a screenplay down at the on your own goal line. But Justin Fields, even then, it's not there. Throw that ball into his freaking ankles. Don't try to force it in there. It turned out being a pick six. Like people are going, to, why are you calling screenplays there? Why is he throwing it? Like, I've seen countless screenplays that the Bills have had, and Josh Allen just chucked it into the ground because the play's not there. Try not to force a turnover. And that's coming from Josh Allen. We saw what he did last Monday. <laughs> like, that goes on both of them. Play calling's not great. Justin Fields not great. Making great decisions either. Two picks in this game. Three yards rushing for Justin Fields. Remember, top five rusher of all time. Remember when he said that before the season started? Remember when he also said he's going to be the Bears' first 4,000 yards passer? He guaranteed it. Remember when he said that? It don't really look like that at this point. It don't really look like that at this point. Like, when you're throwing 216 and 211 in back-to-back games, it's going to be very hard for you to reach that 4,000-yard mark. I'm just saying. Unless the Bears make some, some gigantic uptick in their offensive play calling and Justin Fields' confidence in the players around him and Justin Fields' ability to get the ball out on time rather than just hold on to it the entire time, then we'll see. Then we'll see. And I saw people on Twitter today actually saying, I never thought I'd read these words, actually saying Matt Nagy was a better play caller than anybody. Anybody, let alone Getsy, who, again, a lot of Bears fans don't like. But they were like, I didn't think Bears could get worse than off to play caller, and yet they found one. Like, that is a crazy thing to think about when you watch how that Bears team was with that, with Adam Gase, or Adam Gase, with Matt Nagy. Like, that's crazy thought to go through your head. And you're like, I think it's just a, con- a mixture of every single thing about the Bears. Like, is there, I don't believe they're going to be bad enough to get Caleb Williams because as we're looking at this, the Cardinals just lost the lead with two seconds left, 31-28. Like, the Cardinals are going to try their damnedest to get Caleb Williams. There's no way in hell they're not getting Caleb Williams. I'm sorry. They've got the Texans pick as well. Like, there is no way in hell they are losing on the Caleb Williams sweet saves. Like, in the Texans today, lost the Colts 31-20. And Anthony Richardson looks like the best rookie quarterback out of this class so far. And he got a concussion today, but scored two rushing touchdowns in the game as well. Like, that's another position, like we talked about before. Just looking at scout, looking at the, um, the box scores for scouting. No. No. And that pissed me off going into the draft when people, after the combine, were like, oh, people are rating this guy so highly just because he runs fast in underwear. No. He had some very, very good moments. Obviously, he had things to work on in Florida. But you listen to the dude talk. And he w- actually watched him because the box score can show you how many yards he threw, touchdowns, all that stuff. That could show you that, yes. 
but it doesn't show you. Like, you look at attempts to completions, or completions to attempts, sorry. It doesn't show you where the ball was actually placed. Because there was a play on Saturday night when Colorado played Colorado State. I watched every second of that game. That was a long night. Went to bed at, like, 2 o'clock. Went to bed at 2 and had to get up early to let the chickens out, and I still overslept then. But you watched that game last night. There was a back shoulder throw Shadur Sanders threw on the far sideline on the left, going to the left side of the field. That was a perfect back shoulder throw. Receiver caught it, but his feet were out of bounds. That's an incompletion. But if you just look at the box score, you wouldn't know that, that he threw that ball with exquisite accuracy. I never thought I'd say that word on the show. Exquisite accuracy. With what kind of situation the defender was playing the receiver to see where he placed that ball to a place where only the receiver could get it on the back shoulder of the defender? Like, that is where exactly where he needed to put it, but the receiver didn't get his feet inbounds. But you don't know that if you look at the box score. So people look at Anthony Richardson and just looked at the stats, like, look at his stats compared to X player. Okay. What do all those completion attempt, uh, completions and attempts look like? Tell me what they look like, and then we can have a dialogue about if this dude actually sucks or not. Like, actually. Like, obviously, it can tell you, like, statistical metrics, yeah, that's fine. That's fine, but it doesn't actually tell you how good someone is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to watch the game. And like, with jo- oh, geez, the Cowboys are kneeling with two minutes left. You know how depressing that is? There's two minutes left in this game, and the Cowboys just started kneeling it. That is depressing. Depressing as hell, but love to see it. Love to see it. Jets crash right back down to earth. Jets and Bills just completely flopped places from last week. Actually, I shouldn't say that because no one wanted Zach Wilson going into the season. They were going with Rodgers and all that stuff. But man, Trey Lance on the sideline as well. There's another 2021 NFL draft class quarterback right there. <laughs> Talk about Jack Zach Wilson. We talked about Justin Fields. Now we got Trey Lance stay on the sidelines, the emergency third string quarterback for the Cowboys. Crazy. Then we got Mac Jones playing tonight against the Dolphins. We had Trevor Lawrence lose to the Chiefs today, 17-9. In a weird game. In a weird game. Travis Kelsey was back. Chris Jones was back for the Chiefs. And they won. And they won. But, you know, don't matter. Don't matter. Screw both of them. Screw both. <laughs> then we had Lamar Jackson against the Bengals. Winning 27-24, to and I benched Brian Robinson today. I mean, my other two backs that I had starting ahead of him did better than Brian Robinson. So, I, I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with that, at least at this point in time. But Lamar Jackson, two passing touchdowns in this game, almost 300 yards. Pa- Wait, no, that's 237. I thought it said 287, sorry. But well-placed ball. That ball to Zay Flowers later, later in the game, beautiful throw. Absolutely beautiful throw. And great catch by Zay Flowers as well. Zay Flowers looking really good to start the season. Man, Bengals 0-2. Bengals 0-2. Vikings 0-2. Great. Bears 0-2. I mean, the Bears aren't at that level, but still. It is kind of crazy to think the Bears are 0-2 because I don't think a lot of people were expecting that going in. Including myself. I was not expecting that. The Cardinals being 0-2. I expected that because <laughs> it's the Cardinals. Commanders are up 35-24 on the Broncos. The Broncos are 14-3 at the end of the first quarter. Chargers being 0-2. Did not expect that. I expect the Dolphins right now to be two, uh, one and two and zero oh, go after this game tonight. I expect them to beat the break, the Patriots. I almost said beat the brakes off them. I don't. I don't think that will happen. I think the Patriots' too def- defense is too good for that. And the Patriots fought back last week. Fought back in the second half against the freaking Philadelphia Eagles, whose offense still looks like it's trying to get its feet underneath them again. They got a new offensive coordinator. I understand he was there last year, but there's a there's a bit of a learning curve going from you know Shane Steichen to a new guy who's never really been an offensive coordinator before, at least to my knowledge. We got Monday Night Football tomorrow or tomorrow night. We got Saints-Panthers, which will be fun. Bryce Young's first home game. Bryce Young's first primetime game. Very fun stuff there. And then we got the Browns and Steelers. Should be two fun games there as well. 
I'm excited to see Monday Night Football, but man, I, I, I love today. Sunday was a very good day for Logan and Brad. It was a very good day. <laughs> now they switched over to the Broncos Commanders game. Russell Wilson back to pass, steps up in the pocket, breaks away from one tackle, two defenders pressuring him, throws the ball out of bounds. Got hit as he threw the ball as well. Slow to get up. Jamin Davis came in with a big hit on him. These commander jerseys are disgusting. These are gross uniforms. <laughs> These are absolutely heinous uniforms. But I kind of brought this up a little bit ago, talking about uh, Brian Robinson being on my fantasy team, and I benched him this week in some of my leagues. I am sucking complete ass in fantasy this year. My fantasy football team is atrocious. And I, I'm in five leagues this year. So I can sit here and go like, well, I did put a lot of eggs in one basket this year. So it's hard to keep track of all these different leagues. But this week, like I went two for three, or three for two last week. And I'm about to go one for five. Or no, three for five. I went three for five last week. I'm about to go one for five this week. Like it is a, it, We are in an extreme rough patch right now. Do I have any more players in some of these leagues? Oh, God. Well, I'm not winning this league. I'm not winning in that league. I'm not winning in that league. Am I winning in this league? Probably not. Well, I am winning currently. Am I projected to win? No, definitely not. Oh, sick. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. So let's go over some of these teams here real quick. So the league I've been in the longest is <laughs> this league I've been in since seventh grade. I, I, around seventh grade, I think, is when it started. JHS Fantasy Football 2023 on the Sleeper app. Going into the season, I thought I did a fantastic job. I thought my team was looking very good in the draft. I thought my team was looking very solid. Like, just on paper. Ignore what's happened to this point in the season. Ignore what's happened. But here's the team. Lamar, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, Kyle Pitts, Brandon Ayuk, Daniel Carlson, New York Jets defense. On the bench, Anthony Richardson, Alexander Madison, Tank Bigsby as that security blanket for Travis Etienne. Zach Charbonnet, Puka Nakua we picked up this week on the bench, you know, as well. And uh, Zay Flowers and Dalton Kincaid. So, we're not going to start. Well, who who does Brandon Ayuk play next week? The Giants. Okay. So, of course, Brandon Ayuk goes for 25 points last week, and he goes for a whopping 5.8 today. I picked up Puka Nakua in free agency. He got 22.6 today. He got, what, 20-something last week, too? Or 14. He went over what he did last week by quite a bit. And then Kyle Pitts... Falcons just don't use him. They just don't know how to use him. They don't. Trade his ass somewhere else, please. Garrett Wilson got a nice touchdown today, but he's playing with Zach Wilson. Like, I was feeling really smart. We got one keeper this year. Garrett Wilson was my keeper. I felt so good going to the season with Garrett Wilson as my keeper because Aaron Rodgers was there. And now we're back to Zach Wilson. They just lost 30-10 to to the Cowboys. Four turnovers by the Jets in this game. Like, you should not have watched the Bills film last week and said, you know what, we're going to do that next week against a team that just gave, just scored 40 points with half their points coming on the defensive side of the ball, essentially. So you got the touchdown on the pick on the pick six. You got the touchdown on the blocked field goal. Was there other touchdowns that they scored on defense or special teams that I'm forgetting about? I know those two for sure. I'm not feeling great there. The Bengals look lost. I don't know what to say about them. Jameer Gibbs, the Lions are like, hey, we're going to use this guy in so many revolutionary ways, you're not going to believe it. And yeah, that revolutionary way is keeping his ass on the bench the entire time, playing behind David Montgomery. I understand David Montgomery is an efficient back. He will pound the rock for you. There, After watching that Chiefs game last week, Jameer Gibbs is the best running back on that roster. And they're just not playing him. They refuse to play him for some reason. And he's still got 39 yards receiving in this game with 17 yards rushing. And then Travis Etienne got hurt today, had 40 yards rushing and two yards receiving. Lamar Jackson got two touchdowns today, which was nice. 
But as a combined total right now, or that's it. All my players are done after this, right? Yeah, they're all done. I scored 71.38 points. 71.38. The person I'm playing right now currently has 66.9, but that being said, they still have Jamal Williams left and they have Nick Chubb. So unless they both get hurt, which is very unlikely, I am guaranteed to lose this game. I Or they have a negative two-yard performance like Josh Jacobs did today. If that happens, that would be amazing, but I highly doubt it. Is like anybody still even playing on my team? Are they all final? Russell Wilson just tried to throw an interception there on first and goal. That's what you like to see. But then that league's done. That league's done. I lost week one. I'm the reigning champ in that league. Lost league one, lost week two. Another league, my William Penn League. Justin, Zach, and Kevin are all in this league. They've all been on the show before. I won week one in dominating fashion. This week, I scored 71.34 points. 71.34. And guess what? Every single player on my team has played already. Yes. Everybody on my team has already played. And the person I played had Darnell Mooney, who got zero points today. Did Darnell Mooney even play today? Exit Sunday's game at due to a knee injury. Zero points. Had zero points. And still scored over 100 points. I scored 71. 71 points. Her projected total was 83. Or his projected total, sorry. There's two team lows on here. There's two team lows on here. 83 was the projected total. 101. Projected total for me, 97. Total, 71.34. Trevor Lawrence put up a whopping 9.24 points. Jameer Gibbs, whopping 5.6. Calvin Ridley, whopping 3.2. Tyler Higby, useless, 1.2. Giants defense against the Cardinals. Against Josh Dobbs. I was not expecting to have that many problems in this game. Negative two. My highest scorer, or one of my highest scores, was Jake Moody, the kicker for the freaking 49ers. Stupid league. So there's another loss. 71 points. So we have gotten two. We've said two leagues so far. We are at 71 points. For each league, we are averaging 71 points. We're not going to go over that league because that league I'm actually doing pretty good. We're, go- we're talking about the failures here real quick. Okay, this one we're projected. To- we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We got 93 points. But I've got one player left. i got the Steelers left. The person I'm playing has got two people left, and it's Nick Chubb again and then Chris Olave. So he's going to win. He's going to win, and he's currently winning. He's currently winning. So I need... The Steelers' defense to absolutely lock down Nick Chubb on Monday. Absolutely need it. Absolutely need it. But I had James Cook starting. He got 15.9 points. Rashad White got 16.3. I was not thinking about benching Travis Etienne. And guess what? Brian Robinson scored 26. So you guess what? When I said Brian, I've had Peter Ball on my team that scored more, that was a lie. Brian Robinson scored 26 points. So, so far, I've had, we've gone over three leagues. Two of them, I have two people that have scored over 20 points on the bench. It's a common theme. I had Brandon Ayuk on my bench last week as well. This is a common theme. And guess what? They're not going to come anywhere close to 20 points next week. That's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. We're going to start them and they're going to get stage fright and just completely shit the bed. And in this league, I'm scoring a decent amount of points, but the league's scoring is absolutely cursed. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. But I'm winning by two points. But the person I'm playing has got three people left. That's Miles Sanders. Tyreek Hill, remember him, who had 215 yards receiving last week? Yeah, he's still left to play. And the Browns' defense. So I'm losing that game. I'm winning by two points. Two points in that game. So I'm losing that one by a lot. 
by a lot. It's, it's just going to be a bad day. And Brian Robinson was conveniently on the bench there today, too. Because I saw the, the Green Bay Packers are playing the Denver or the, the Atlanta Falcons. Sorry. A.J. Dillon is the only active running back because Aaron Jones is hurt and he's out for the game. A.J. Dillon puts up a whopping 14.8 points. And I don't know how he managed to get 14.8 points with his whopping. I got 55 yards on the ground and eight yards receiving. No touchdowns in the game for A.J. Dillon. Beautiful stuff there. Benched him this morning, actually, at like 10 o'clock. Benched him. Benched Brian Robinson for A.J. Dillon. That's in this league again. The league in this the scoring in this league's messed up completely. In this league, Brian Robinson, 36 points. I don't know how to explain Brian Robinson's scoring in this league. Again, it makes no sense. I don't know how to explain it. And then also. Because they're playing the Jets defense, and I saw what they did to the Bills last week. Uh, C.D. Lamb was also on the bench, twenty-five and a half points. But I had Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs because they're playing the. It's Justin Jefferson for one, and then Stephon Diggs was playing the Raiders. So you cannot blame me for that. I was going matchups there. Completely, sh- completely messed me up. Completely messed me up. And then the other league, you know, we didn't. We skipped over this league because it was a good league that we were in right now. This league, I got the most money in, so I should be actually the most happy that I'm winning this league. In this league. I've got $50 on the line. There's 12 people in this league. I can win a lot of money if my team holds on here. I got 129 points at this point in time. 129. Joe Burrow got me whopping 15 points. I had Jordan Love on the bench, but I was not putting Jordan Love in over Joe Burrow. Sorry. But I had Puka Nakua starting in this league. Very smart play for me there. Don Kincaid putting him in. He got 9.3 points over his projected total. And Garrett Wilson, Justin Jefferson in this game as well. And I've still got Ramondre Stevenson left. Cowboys defense got me a nice 16 points. And the person I'm playing has got Chuba Hubbard left. So, you know what? <laughs> and I got 93 po- 97 points at this point in time. I got 129. So, we're looking fairly solid there. Ramondre Stevenson could seal the game tonight. But that, that league I'm 2-0 in. Potentially, knock on wood. But, you know, could be 2-0. By the time the show comes out, might be a little different, but 129, I'm the highest scoring team in the league this week by quite a wide margin. So we're doing good. We're doing good. That league I need to be more, you know, be more, place more emphasis on because of the amount of money involved in this. I went $600. So you know what? I'm going to try and keep that one. Maybe I shouldn't try because that that's the league that, you know, I've been in one year. That's the only league I have not had multiple years in the game. It's a new league. Every other league I've had skin in the game. And I only know one person actually in this league. Or two people, sorry. So it's not as like I'm not going to trash talk as much as the other leagues I'm in because I know everybody in the league. So it makes it a little bit difficult. But, hey, if I can win $600 from people I don't know, that would be so funny. And the draft was hilarious too. The draft was hilarious. Now, Joe Burrow's not really working out for me. So am I able to change that? See how he is this week because apparently, again, he re-aggravated his his calf injury. So we'll see how that one goes. But, yeah. Messy, messy stuff, but you love to see it. And speaking of that messy stuff, Iowa's offense, man, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to explain that. Like there was 0% chance watching going into the halftime that this team was not only covering the 20, the massive 20 and a half spread, but scoring 41 points. They were losing seven to nothing at the end of the first quarter to Western Michigan. Kate McNamara threw an interception in that half as well. Or the quarter, sorry. And he threw another interception in the second quarter. And then Iowa goes in the halftime winning 14 or 14 to 10 against Western Michigan. 
And again, we talked about this before the season. I've seen Iowa lose to Mac schools before. Losing to Mac schools is not out of the ordinary for Iowa. So when they were down 7 nothing early, I was mentally preparing myself to happen again. Because I've seen him again lose to Western Michigan. I've seen him lose to Central Michigan. I've seen him lose to Northern Illinois. I've seen it happen when it shouldn't happen. And these this Iowa offense is not very good. The defense is good. The defense is good. Defense is good. But the offense is not great. But the running game in this game, once it got going, was awesome. That's what you like to see. That's exactly what little Sean Williams. With Caleb Johnson being out, Jazz Patterson was going to be the main guy, I thought. And then you look at LaShawn Williams getting 145 yards on the ground. Kamari Moulton got two touchdowns in the game. Jazz only had 20 yards on the ground. Iowa had 254 yards on the ground in this game. 254 with three touchdowns. Cade McNamara pretty much did nothing in the pass game. Pretty much did nothing in the pass game. Which is what I warned people going into the season. Because there were a lot of people out there, and rightfully so. Again, if you go from literal dirt to anything else, you're going to be happy about it. Like, I brought up the Cardinals earlier. Like, you look at the Cardinals. They have so many issues on this team apart from quarterback. So many issues on that team. But you know what? If they get Caleb Williams, all those problems kind of go away. Seemingly. They don't go away, but you think they do because you've got Caleb Williams. The quarterback position, you get a quarterback, that makes you forget every single issue you have. Every single issue you have. So when people got, when they got Cade McNamara, again, a guy who's been to a Big Ten Championship game, a guy who's been to the college football playoff, it went from excitement level down to like a C up to an A plus because you got a quarterback. The problem is, again, People were just so excited about the quarterback, they didn't look at actually what the quarterback was. And he's a solid quarterback. Solid quarterback. He's not going to do anything stupid, but he's not going to do anything that necessarily wows you or puts you like in the most insane positions to win games. Now, you could argue, on the flip side, that putting position to win games is just not turning the ball over. Which is key, because Iowa struggled with that last year. Struggled with that big time. But he's making some stupid decisions throwing the football. Like on Saturday, he stared down the left side of the field, double covered, safety read it like a freaking book, didn't even bother switching his eyes, and just beamed it right to the receiver who's behind those two aforementioned defenders. It got picked off. Brian Ferentz lost his freaking mind. And Brian Ferentz, towards the end of the game, when they're at the one-yard line, some teams would kneel it out like the Cowboys today. They just knelt it with two minutes left in the game. Two minutes left, they're kneeling the ball. Iowa tries to score with like 30 seconds left or whatever. Now it's kind of cool because Max White scored a touchdown, got the rushing touchdown, three carries, three yards. One touchdown in the game. Efficiency. I'd like to see it. But Brian Ferris was definitely going to run up the score. If it was up to Kirk, Kirk ain't running up that score. Kirk kneeling it out, which I kind of thought Iowa would do. And Iowa and that henceforth would not cover. But they ended up did. They ended up covering 41 to 10. Did not think that would happen. My prediction of 27 to 3 was seven points off either side before Iowa scored that touchdown. 34 to 10 was looking like the final. I've been fairly decent. I've been decently accurate in my Iowa score predictions this year. So what we say, thirty-one to ten against South Dakota State or Utah State? Sorry, twenty-four to fourteen was the final. Iowa State. We're not even going to talk, <laughs> talk about the accuracy of that one. Twenty thirteen happened to be twenty thirteen, and then this one it looked like we were going to be seven points off again, thirty-four to ten, and then Iowa scores that last touchdown. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. the The thing is, Iowa's offense is better than it was last year, which is insane to think about. Because you look at those first three games last year. So Iowa scored seven points the first two games and 27 against Nevada. So a whopping total of, what, 41 points through three games. 41 points through three games. Iowa scored that in this game. That's cool. That's sweet. This offense is so much better than it was last year. And guess what? It's still not good. 
It's still not good. And Iowa against Penn State next week opens up as a 14-point dog. And I'm not surprised by that. Penn State did not look great this week against Illinois. They did not look great, which kind of surprised me given how Illinois did not look great against freaking Kansas last week. And then Kansas struggled against Nevada. Did they end up losing to Nevada? I was trying to watch that game while we were watching the Colorado game, but it didn't. It wouldn't work on my Paramount app. Apparently, they don't have CBS Sports on there. Kansas beat Nevada. Okay. That would have been, like, Kansas, the way Illinois struggled against Kansas, I was like, okay, Penn State's going to route them. I was fairly confident in that, and they didn't. They, I mean, they ended up beating them by a fairly wide margin, beating them what? What was the final score? 30-13? to 13? Like, it got worse, but it was close throughout the entire game. Like, it was 16-7 to seven and a half, which is not, like, an insanely wide score right there. I understand it's two scores, but still, it was not anything crazy until a little bit later, and even then, Drew Alar was missing some passes this game, which is not really, which, I mean, First road game, first year starter, that's bound to happen. With the way Illinois' defense could play at times, they didn't show against Kansas, but they played well in this game. Jazan Newton played well in this game for Illinois. But Penn State, they're going to be a tough team. They're going to be a very, very tough team. But like I've said before, I've seen Iowa beat Penn State with less chance to beat them than this year. So, hey, and with better Penn State teams, to be honest. So, anything's possible, but in scoring 41 points, granted, again, Western Michigan, but still, 41 points. I didn't think they'd score 28, let alone beat a team by 28 and a half points. So them scoring 41 points is insane. It didn't look great. Wasn't the easiest 41 points you'll ever get, but they looked better. They scored 17 points in the third quarter, 10 in the fourth. Scored 27 points in the second half. I predicted them to score 27 points in the game. <laughs> but that's nice to see. You want to see that happening. You want to see them get better as games go on. So they did not look good in the second half against Iowa State. So you want to see that. You want to see that progression, getting better as the game goes on, growing into the game, as they say. The defense is good enough to hold halter Penn State, especially if a large struggles early on, especially if that happens. Then we might see Iowa, you know, contend in this game. I don't necessarily think Penn State will blow them out of the water. I don't, I don't think that will happen. I don't. Again, it's a 14-point game. Opening line, again, this is Sunday. 14 at Penn, and again, it'll be a night game. The whiteout will be there. It'll be an insane atmosphere. But again, I was beating them in the whiteout at night before. The same year they went to the Orange Bowl was the same year they lost, almost lost UNI week one. Took two block field goals to beat UNI. So they had less of a chance going into that Penn State game than they did this time. I don't remember the exact line was going into that game. But it can happen. It can happen. And Iowa came into the AP Top 25 as number 24 this time, moving up one spot in the rankings. We got a Top 25 matchup going on this weekend. But I'm really excited to see that. Good win for Iowa. Great win for Iowa. Running game looked really, really good. Offensive line played well in this game. Cade needs to, again, this is kind of, we talked about them going into the season. He's not going to do anything dumb. Going into that game against Western Michigan, you wouldn't think that, and he made a dumb throw, a couple dumb throws in that game against Western Michigan where he the defenders just read his eyes and jumped the route, both interceptions. The first one was just a one-handed interception, but still read his eyes the entire time. And there's a drop pass by the Broncos. We got 35 seconds left, 27 to 35 in favor of Washington. Third and three. Broncos at their own 20 yard line. We'll see what Sean Payton and Co. draw up here. See if they can get any yards on this play. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see this game. The game's gonna be really fun. Uh, the game's gonna be a very fun one. Penn State versus Iowa. It's always it's usually a very fun game. I remember that one year where they came. Iowa went to Penn State and got absolutely destroyed by Saquon Barkley. But the next week they beat Michigan. So, hey, wasn't all that bad in, the, in hindsight. No one even remembers how bad they lost to Penn State. I remember going to that Michigan game, like, zero confidence. 
because I saw what Penn State did to Iowa. I saw what <laughs> uh, Iowa did to Rutgers, which was 14 to 7. I saw what Michigan did to Rutgers, beat them 77 to nothing. I saw them beat Penn State. And then now we're looking at Iowa just coming off a massive loss to Penn State, going into the game against Michigan, and they go in and beat them. So I've seen crazy things happen when Iowa has no chance in hell doing it. And they got a chance. I don't want to make that sound like I think Iowa's going to get absolutely blasted. Again, I do not. If Iowa loses, I think it would be like 21-10. to That would be my score prediction in this game for Penn State-Iowa. That's what I'm thinking. Because Penn State's got a really good defense. Like, we brought this up before. Penn State has got some dogs on defense. Especially coming off the edge. Like, Chop Robinson's one of the best edge rushers in all of college football. They got Kalen King, one of the best corners in college football. Abdul Rogers, or Abdul, sorry, Abdul Carter, one of the best linebackers in college football. Russell Wilson picking up a nice first down there. They're going to say he was out of bounds or he's in. They're saying he's in bounds. Russ, give the ball to the ref, man. 13 seconds left. Got to spike it. 11, 10, 9. He spiked it with 9 seconds left. Big fourth down or conversion right there for the Broncos. Didn't get out of bounds, though. Tough. Tough scene. You know what else is a tough scene? Speaking of tough scenes, Iowa State, Ohio. We knew this was an op- We knew this was an option. We knew this was an option. We talked about it on Wednesday, or Wednesday or Friday. I don't remember what show it was exactly. Talking about Curtis Rourke being the best quarterback Iowa State's played. And again, he missed some passes in this game, but I still feel that's true. I think he's better than Kate. I think he's better than Theo Day. He didn't look great passing the ball, but running the ball, he looked good. He looked good running the ball. And Iowa State's got a really good secondary, so we knew it would be somewhat of a struggle running the passing the ball, especially since he hasn't really played that much since tearing his ACL last year. This is the first week he's kind of been back. So it was nice to see him in there. And we again, this is a tough team. Ohio's a very good football team. And Iowa State, after that game against Iowa on offense, there were a lot of questions raised about how good this offense actually was. So it looked good against you and I, but was that a false dawn? And you saw what happened against Iowa, the eight-minute drive with really nothing there. And they had this game against Ohio. Now, the missed field goal, or air quotes missed field goal, that's pretty ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty ridiculous. But if you want to do, like, say it, if you want to go against the missed field goal being the main cause of this game, Iowa State realistically, realistically, should not have any problems with Ohio. The talent level that is at their disposal versus Ohio's should not make this game close. If you want to go down that route. The missed field goal was insane, though. And it wasn't even missed. He made the field goal. Missed field goal, technically, though. Spe- or te- Not technically. Uh, well, actually, missed field goal. Literally, missed field goal. But Rocco backed. The problem is Iowa State's offense looks dead. And Rocco Beck is not the issue. Rocco Beck is not. Iowa State has zero semblance of a running game. They have no sense of a running game at all. And Rocco Beck was their leading rusher, averaged 3.4 yards a carry. Iowa State as a team averaged 1.7 yard a carry. Russell Wilson launched it downfield, zero seconds left. Into the end zone. Oh, my God. He caught it. He caught it. Oh, my God. The Broncos just scored. Okay, we got to sit up here. What the hell just happened? So Russell Wilson just reared back and launched it. Ball landed at like the two-yard line, and it bounced around some defenders, and then Johnson came up with the ball. It bounced off two commander's defenders' heads, came off another one, and then Johnson one-handed it, batted it to himself, and then got it in the end zone for the score. I was not expecting that to happen. This has changed the trajectory of this show. Because now I'm going to talk about this for a little bit. Two-point conversion, 35-33. Sean Payton calling into play. Russell Wilson under center. 
or at least he's behind the center right now. We'll see if he gets in the shot. And they're reviewing the play, obviously. So all touchdowns are reviewed, especially under two minutes. Broncos break the huddle. Russell Wilson goes up behind the center. He's under center now. Goes back, stents, decides to go back in the backfield. We got two tight ends set. Fakes the handoff. Russell Wilson looks for Jerry Judy. Finds his tight end. Looks for Cameron Sutton. Cortland Sutton, sorry. And they're no P.I. Wow. That's not my greatest play-by-play I've ever done. Sorry about that. But there should have been a DPI on that play. I'm being honest here. Probably should have been a DPI. Defensive pass interference for those unaware. Um, can I see the replay, please? Jamie, reload it. So you ran the same round on the opposite side of the field. So Jerry, Judy, and Corlin Sutton ran across formation, holding the entire... I understand the refs don't want to be the main cause of the game for why this was decided and don't want to throw the flag there. People are going to say, let them play. I'm kind of thinking that's a DPI. It might be considered ticky-tacky if you want to go that route, but it's close. It's close. It's like the field goal. I know the refs don't want to – they never want to be the reason the game's decided, but that missed field goal, they called it missed. That's going to be a reason a lot of people look at this game for Iowa State. And it was funny afterwards, a fan chased down Matt Campbell, and there's been conflicting reports of this guy's actually an Iowa State fan or not. He was wearing an Iowa State jersey. I – I don't know. It's kind of a confusing situation right now, at least from what Twitter is deci- telling me. But Iowa State fan at the game yelled at Campbell, said you're on the hot seat. Campbell decided in his infinite wisdom to try and go fight the fan, I guess. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. <laughs> it was kind of odd. So the fan said, you're on the hot seat, Campbell. Get under them, Campbell. You're on the hot seat. And then Matt Campbell just turns around and starts to just run towards the fan. And it takes like three people to hold him back. Like, what the hell was I watching there? What was that? That was one of the weirdest things I think I've ever seen. But remember before the season started, Iowa State, and not even just before the season, we've always heard this, imagine booing your own coaches. Imagine doing that. Now, double that, and imagine booing your greatest coach of all time. Doing that. A guy who has turned Iowa State's football program around immensely, so now we're in the greatest era of Iowa State football. The greatest era of Iowa State football, they just lost to Ohio, granted, but... Before this year and before last year, a lot, the greatest era of Iowa State football. Now we're talking about hot seat. We got fans yelling at him. Like, it is a weird time. Everything Iowa State fans told us they didn't do, they're starting to do this year. And I got a new sense of, uh, what do you call it? Enti- not tit- not entitledness, but a new sense of, uh, I, don't, I don't know what word I'm trying to use here. So I don't want to make it sound too bad, but it was a weird video. Even... Regardless of what the fan actually is, if he's an Iowa State fan or not, because I don't remember, it's been everywhere about, oh, look at this Iowa State fan. Actually, he's not an Iowa State fan. We don't know. Either way, what the hell is Campbell trying to do? <laughs> like, I, I understand being frustrated when someone yells at you like you're going to get fired. You're trying to go fight him? Really? <laughs> really? You're going to try and fight this random dude? You lost to Ohio. I understand it's frustrating. I know it's embarrassing. Being a Big 12 school and losing to a Mac school. Again, I've seen Iowa do it. It's not a great feeling in the world. It's not the greatest feeling in the world losing to a Mac school. But, man, trying to fight a fan is <laughs> really funny. It's really funny. Regardless of the real fandom of the, t- the person yelling, 
It was hilarious to see that. And if it really was an Iowa State fan, that is that makes it even funnier. Because they never boo their fans. They never boo their players. And this would be back-to-back weeks of that being blatantly not true. Because every single fan has booed. Every single fan base. I don't want to say every fan. Because I've never been partial to booing somebody. I booed refs. Been frustrated at refs. I've been frustrated at players. I've never gone, boo, at a game. I've never done that before. I've been frustrated, but never done that. But there, every single fan base has done that. And there's good and bad fans in every single fan base. So I don't want to say this guy represents everything Iowa State is. But still, you can't go on Twitter and say, never do it. And then they do it. Back-to-back weeks. Like, again, Iowa State was not singing the praise of Gene Chizik when he was there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know national champion and all that, all that stuff. But this, this Ohio game, back to the game in general, was just boring as hell. This is the most, that, that game, was, I had it on the entire day. Like, it was so awful. I had Boston College, Florida State, and LSU, Mississippi State on the big TV, like dual screen, and then I had Iowa State on the little TV, just by itself. Never changed it once. I wish I never turned that stupid game on because it was so insanely frustrating and boring to watch, and I'm not even an Iowa State fan. I can't imagine what watching this as Iowa State fan actually is like because, well, actually I do because I watched Iowa's football team last year. Now, Iowa State's defense is not as good as Iowa's defense was last year, but they still got some great players, like, again, like TJ Tampa, Miles Purchase, uh, J- uh, Jeremiah Cooper, like players like that. We know they've got very good players on defense. I don't want to make it sound like, if you're not as good as Iowa's second-ranked defense last year, you had an ass defense. I'm not saying that at all. They're just not as good as Iowa's defense was last year. But their offense still absolutely reeks. And the problem with it is, Rocco Beck is the quarterback, and he's not the issue. But you know what's probably, or what could happen? I don't want to say probably, but you know what could happen? If it keeps going like this, he might get pulled because Jay, they're going to want something new going from them on offense. And again, it's not Rocco's fault. I saw the Bills do this with Tyrod Taylor. They benched Tyrod Taylor after a couple of shaky performances on offense and defense. Played Nathan Peterman the next game he started. Five picks against the Chargers. Like, I've seen it happen. The quarterback is the end-all and be-all of your football team. It doesn't matter if he's actually right or wrong or if he's the reason you're losing or the reason you're winning. If the team is struggling offensively, which they have immensely the past two weeks, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to go in a different direction to get something new going on offense. And I'd feel bad for the kid. I would feel bad for him if it happened, but I don't want to rule that out. Do not rule that out as a possibility. By that game in general, like the boringness of the game, Matt Campbell getting put toys on the hot seat, trying to fight a fan, getting booed, like is just one of the craziest turn of events I've seen. Like it's a complete 180 for what we were told all this offseason. And yeah, going one and two the first three games, that's what we predicted. I thought Ohio would be the win. And I almost said Ohio would be a loss, but then it would be 0-3. I didn't want to be that mean. But for everything I said preseason, it's kind of coming true. Be 100%. <laughs> at least that's what it looks like. They're playing Oklahoma State this weekend. They should beat Oklahoma State at home. They really should. Oklahoma State looks like ass. Absolutely should beat Oklahoma State. They just lost. They got blown out by South Alabama. Remember we were talking about that game on Friday? We were trying to figure out if I actually wanted to pick South Alabama in the game. I came really close to doing it. Didn't actually end up pulling the trigger on it, but came close to doing that. And then finally, we'll talk about one more blowout for the state of Iowa teams. Northern Iowa rightfully dispatched Idaho State. Easily dispatched Iowa, oh, Idaho State in this game. Like Theo Day, 388 yards passing, two touchdowns. Josh Jenkins, 69 yards on the ground. Ty Edwards, 41 yards on the ground. And a touchdown there. Harrison Bay Bowie had a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Sam Schnee, 
174 yards receiving, two touchdowns there as well. Like, it was just a predictably dominant game by you and I. Predictably dominant. Like, it, it's Idaho State. It's Idaho State. Like, I, that's all I can really say. It was Idaho State. Theo Day had a very good performance. Better than the last two games, like, by a long shot. But, again, that's what we were expecting. There's not really a lot to talk about. We had this. I was watching this game on Saturday. Just easy. It's just an easy game. Like, Weaver State and Iowa State, obviously tough games. Theo Day had a couple really bad interceptions against Weaver State. Like, there was one drive in Weaver State's game. I don't remember if we brought this up last week. But he threw an interception, got back for a touchdown. There was a penalty, which allowed you and I to stay on offense. A few plays later, he threw another pick. So he threw two picks on the same drive, essentially. I've rarely seen that happen before. It was not a great look. So having a game like this against Iowa State, again, it's Iowa State, but it's a good, you know, start to the season. Like, restart for you. Because he hasn't had the greatest start of the season. He hasn't. And you and I, in general, has not had the greatest start of the season. They've beat themselves up a lot this year. A lot of the reasons they've lost games, they've given up short field, they've turned the ball over when they shouldn't have. Like, it's... A lot of things that have happened for you and I, just giving situations the opposite the opposite team. And this was a game against a bad team that you need to put away, and they did. So fair play to you and I bouncing back. And then the other games around college football, we had Colorado or Georgia. We'll go to Colorado here in a little bit. I didn't mean to start off Colorado. I was just looking at here and Colorado came out. Georgia uh, struggled a little bit more than I expected against South Carolina. I thought, didn't think South Carolina's O-line will be able to keep up with Georgia's or defensive line, sorry. I, I was kind of surprised by this. I was kind of surprised that South Carolina was up 14-3 at halftime. I was fairly surprised by that. But, hey, solid game. A lot better game than I was expecting. Michigan beat up on Bowling Green. They were struggling a lot in this game. J.D. McCarthy did not have the greatest game of all time. He had three interceptions in this game. He did not have a great game, which is very odd for how consistent and efficient he was through the first two games going into this game against Bowling Green, Michigan's first night game of the season. A game, again, they should easily win, and you're up 14-6 at halftime with two picks at the half and then going in and getting another pick later on in the game. Not great, but, you know, 31-6, you'll take it. Boston College, Florida State, weird game. Weird, weird game. Boston College, really good for them. Really, really good. Florida State did not do anything in the second half. They scored two touchdowns in the third, did absolutely nothing after that. Yeah, got lucky, essentially. That's the best way you can say it. Just got lucky. Very lucky. Boston College's quarterback looked really good in the game, 305 passing, 95 yards on the ground as well, two touchdowns total in the game. He looked good. He looked good. Got a fourth down conversion later in the game as well. Like, it was a solid game. I was kind of hoping for Boston College to win, actually, even though we said Florida State would make the playoff. And it was kind of funny. On Friday, we were talking about Florida State looks like they're going to run the table, and they almost lose to Boston College the day after. It was kind of funny. Uh, Texas struggled against Wyoming. Obviously, they weren't coming th- covering 30. Obviously, they weren't covering 30. Coming off an emotional high against Alabama, going to the next game against Wyoming, a team that played really well and beat your in-state rival Texas Tech earlier this season, going to the halftime 14 or 10 to 7, sorry, was kind of expected. Texas kind of came off in the fourth quarter, scored 21, but you know, them not beating Wyoming by 30 was not surprising at all. Ohio State beating up on Western Kentucky is not surprising. I was kind of surprised they won by as much as they did. We said Western Kentucky would cover because of Austin Reed at quarterback and the way Ohio State's offense looked kind of weird at times this season. But 35 points in the second quarter kind of put the game out of reach fairly quickly. It was 42-10 to 10 at half. So they were already covering at that point, and they made my problems even worse, scoring more touchdowns after they scoring 21 points after. Winning 63-10. to 10. Then we got Penn State. We already talked about that game. Washington easily dispatched Michigan State, as we thought. Notre Dame struggled early against Central Michigan. It was 21-14 to 14 at half. Game ended up being 41-17, but it was a rough game for a little bit. Alabama 
predictability at the start of the season, like we said numerous times, quarterback position is going to be a rough area for Alabama. And yeah, they played their third quarterback of the season. They started Tyler Buckner, benched him, put Ty Simpson in. Maybe he goes the next week starting. But predictably, like we said every single day leading up the season about Alabama football, their quarterback situation is rough. It is rough. They have a good sense of running the football, but they have no quarterback. So that's a little bit of an issue. I don't know who they play next week. They play LSU next week. Ole Miss. At home. Oh, they don't play LSU till later. Wow. I thought that was a little closer to the start of the season. I guess I was wrong. But Ole Miss could cause some problems for them. They really could. They really could. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. They have a quarterback problem. They have an absolutely have a quarterback problem. Tennessee lost to Florida. We said Tennessee wouldn't cover because of how bad they looked against Austin P. Again, they didn't score over 10 points in the second quarter. 15 seconds left in the second quarter, they finally scored over 10 points. Against Austin P, a team that got beat down by Southern Illinois the week before. So them not covering was not surprising, but them looking that bad, I guess, against Florida was not ideal. Not ideal. Trevor Etienne dominated the game at 172 yards on the ground. Really long touchdown run in there as well. Really weird tackling from Tennessee on that touchdown run. But, yeah, Florida dispatched Tennessee fairly early in that game too. Utah State beat Weaver State 31-7. Oregon beat Hawaii 55-10. Portland State, speaking of Oregon, the team that Oregon beat week once, 81-7, won 91 nothing this past weekend. 91 nothing after getting shipped 81-7 week one. That is crazy. Uh, LSU dominated Mississippi State 41-14. Missouri upset Kansas State. 30 to 27 with a 61 yard field goal to win. Oregon State beat San Diego State 26 to 9. Ole Miss beat Georgia Tech 48 to 23. A lot of points in the fourth quarter. Just second half in general. They scored 38 points in the second half. Like they absolutely dominated the second half. Uh, we'll skip that game for a little bit. We'll come back to that one. Oklahoma beat Tulsa 66 17. North Carolina beat Michigan Minnesota sorry 31 to 13. Duke beat Northwestern 38 to 14. Washington State beat Northern Colorado 64 to 21. UCLA beat North Carolina Central. 59-7. to seven. So let's go over our picks from last week and see how we did. I haven't looked at these since we did this on Friday, or Thursday, I guess. Because I recorded the show the day in advance, so we did this on Thursday. Let's see how this looks out. Let's see how we did. So we've got Air Force versus Utah State. I believe that one was good, right? That one was solid. So Air Force won. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. 31-29. So they won by 18 points. They were 9.5 point favorites. Air Force won. So we got, we're 1-0. and Kansas State did not cover against Missouri. In fact, they lost. They were five and a half point favorites. Uh, so we're oh, we're one and one. Illinois versus Penn State. Fifteen and a half was the line there. Penn State won by a score of thirty to thirteen. So we won there barely, but we won there. So we're two and one. Louisville was a nine and a half point favorite against Indiana. Nine and a half. They won by seven, of course. So we did not cover there. Uh, Wisconsin. 16.5-point favorite against Georgia Southern. 16.5. Did they end up... I need to do math here. Math's not necessarily my strongest suit. Minus this. No. Why did I need to do that? I already knew that. So they did not cover. They looked like they were going to for a little bit. Iowa State did not cover against Ohio. LSU covered against Mississippi State. Duke covered against Northwestern. North Carolina covered against Minnesota. Rutgers, I'm fairly certain, covered against Virginia Tech. I'm fairly certain... What was the score in that game again? 35-16. They were three and a half points. Yeah, they covered that one. Georgia did not cover against South Carolina. Western Kentucky did not cover against Ohio State. Washington covered against Michigan State. South Alabama covered multiple times over against Oklahoma State. We did not pick that one, though. That was one we picked very late in the game of the show, if I remember correctly. 
Toledo was a eight and a half point favorite in their game this weekend. What was the final score there? Where is Toledo? They won twenty one to seventeen. Of course they did. Uh, Florida, we predicted them to cover against Tennessee. They won. James Madison was a one and a half point dog. They were the underdog and they won in that game against Troy. Pitt, we had them beating West Virginia. West Virginia obviously won. Syracuse versus Purdue. Syracuse won that game. It covered. Arkansas versus BYU. Picked BYU last year. They lost. Picked Arkansas this year. Arkansas lost. So not great. Mississippi's, we predicted them to cover the 19 and a half point spread against Georgia Tech. They did. Clemson, 23 and a half point favorite against Florida Atlantic. What did they end up winning? Yes, they covered that one. TCU against Houston, six and a half was the line there. They covered that one. Wyoming, 28 and a half point dogs against Texas. They covered that. Fresno State, three point favorites against Arizona State. They covered that. So I would say, apart from a few, we did all right. So we got Air Force right. We got Penn State right. We got LSU right. We got Duke right. We got North Carolina right. We got Rutgers right. So there's six. We got Washington right. We got Florida right. We got James Madison right. We got Syracuse right. So there's 10. We got Mississippi State right. We got Clemson right. We got TCU, Wyoming, and Fresno. So we got 15 right out of what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Oh, okay. Fifteen out of twenty-five? We'll take that. We'll take fifteen out of twenty-five. We'll take sixty percent. I'll take that. Sixty percent of the time it works every time. We will absolutely take sixty percent. South Carolina, Georgia, I predicted the score forty-five to seven. That did not happen. Minnesota versus uh, North Carolina predicted the score twenty-eight to seventeen. What was the final score in that game again? 28-17 was my predicted score. What did we say? What are we saying here, Logan? 31-13? Not terribly far off. Not terribly far off. So what? We are four points off on North Carolina side. We were four points off on the Minnesota side. You know, we'll take it. Most points scored this week, and we predicted Georgia because <laughs> I thought they'd blow out uh, South Carolina. They did not. And in the same breath, or no, we picked Northwestern to score the least amount of points this weekend. How many points did they end up scoring against Duke? They scored 14, so that's not true because I'm looking at North Carolina Central right there for scoring seven. <laughs> Iowa State scored seven as well, so yeah, definitely not right there. But the last game I want to talk about here was Colorado-Colorado State. What a game. What a game. Didn't kick off to like 9-15, 9-30. I stayed up for that entire freaking thing. Me and Brady stayed up for that entire game, and you know what? I'm glad I did. And there's been kind of a weird uh, discourse around storming the field. Should they have done it? Should they not have? Like Colorado being the 18th ranked team in the nation, playing a Mac or a, sorry, a Mountain West school in Colorado State, storming the field. Do you do it or do you not? I'm cool with them doing it because yes, I've had like say I don't I have no issue with anybody ever storming the field. I never have an issue with doing it. There's times I think it's weirder than others, but there's t- most I'm like yeah, you can do it if you want, but it's weird. For there's certain games like this one I would not throw in that category, and I'll explain why. I understand it's. Colorado versus Colorado State, Pac-12 versus Matt, or Mount, I did again, Mountain West, but it's a Colorado team again that won one game last year. This is their first night game of the season, playing against a rival that was hyped up all week. We had beef going back and forth between Norvell, Deion Sanders, we had all of that stuff. We had cheap shots from Colorado State all around the field. We had 100 penalties. You were down big. You came back, had a 98-yard drive, scored a two-point conversion, ended up winning in overtime. So yeah, I think storming the field's warranted. Especially when you won one game last year. You won one game. Now, I know some of those fans in the stands did not watch a second of Colorado football last year. But it was still really cool to see. And, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with them storming the field. As for players, Shadur Sanders was awesome. 
Sure, Sanders was awesome in this game. 348 yards passing, four touchdowns, one pick. The pick was not great. He was getting hit, if I remember correctly. He was getting hit while he threw the ball. But other than that, he had a very good game. Very calm, very collected, even like in overtime, taking some big hits throughout the game, taking some big sacks throughout the game. But very good game from him. Uh, Travis Hunter getting cheap shotted out of the game, who's going to be out apparently for the next two weeks at least, which is Colorado's biggest games of the season against Oregon and USC. Having him out for those two games is massive. And he did finish out the half after getting hit, but he went to the hospital right after that. I think he broke like every single rib he had. Like, and how the dude ended up staying in the game after that, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea how he was allowed to stay in the game. But Colorado ended up winning. Torrey Horton was awesome in this game for Colorado State. Dallin Holker, the tight end, was really good in the game as well. Lewis Brown was really good. Like, it was a very fun game. Very fun, enjoyable game. Again, the shit talk beforehand was really fun to see too. So, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And Colorado dropped in the rankings. Just one spot. They dropped to 19. But, again, you played a Mountain West school. You scored a lot of points, but you lost. Or, you almost lost this game, sorry. But that game against Oregon, that game against USC, those are tough back-to-back games. No bye week in there either. You just go to Oregon, you go to USC. And USC, they play Arizona State next week. They were on a bye last week. So USC's pretty much just had six straight bye weeks to start the season. Or four straight, five straight bye weeks to start the season. The game's against San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford, and Arizona State. Basically four straight bye weeks to start the season. Including the actual, not including the actual bye week. Now USC's defense is not very good. That's the big concern there. But Arizona State's offense is not very good. They lost 27-15 to an Oklahoma State team that shipped 33 points to South Alabama at home and lost 33-7. You got beat 27-15. Like, this is not a good Oklahoma State team. This is not a good Arizona State team. So I'm expecting USC to go in there and have very little issues in this game. But, you know, they're 33.5 point favorites. Is that too much? No, I don't think so. They lost 29 to nothing against Fresno State last week, so it shouldn't. No, they. This is fine. This is fine. They played Southern. What? They played Southern Utah week one and lost, or won by three points. Sorry, might as well have lost. Southern Utah is bad. You and I destroyed Southern Utah last year, like or two years ago. Sorry, they absolutely destroyed this. They're not a good football team either, and they lost to them. <laughs> oh, before we go though. Before we go, though, the best game I watched this week was Allen College versus Kentucky State. D2, apparently. That was one of the worst football games I think I've ever watched. Like, one of the bad, fun football games ever. They had a tackle tandem, or guard tackle tandem on the left side of the offensive line. The tackle was six foot nine, 372 pounds, and the guard, he doesn't have a height and weight listed on their depth chart, on their roster, sorry. But... That dude's probably 6'3", 430. Like, he was freaking huge. He's the one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen in my life. I never thought I'd see a game like that last night. And we watched a decent amount of it, which was really funny. Like, I was thoroughly enjoying myself watching this game. Kentucky State has got some massive people on their team. Like, I'm on their roster right now. I'm going to go down to the 70s, 50s and 60s and 70s. Let's look at some of the people here. So we have got Walter McClinton, uh, 6'3", 315. You know, not terrible. Not terrible. Still a big guy, but not that terrible. Dalen Cozart, sophomore, 6'1", 340. Uh, Adam Badwan, no height listed, but he's 290 pounds, freshman. 
uh, Quadarius McDonald is the guy I'm looking at. That's the guy who is the biggest, like, 6'3", 430. Like, that guy, he's not, nothing's listed on there. Nothing's listed on there. Um, we have 6'3", 383 as a freshman. We have 6'3", or 6'7", 380 there as well. We have 6'3", 345. The massive dude, 6'9", 372. And we just have some monster dudes on this team. It's absolutely crazy. I've never seen a team this big in my life. Richard Smith, freshman, 6'1", 365. Number 99. They had a receiver. How tall was it? There's no way Kiki McFadden was 6'4", 210. That dude is freaking huge. He was as tall as their 6'9 guy. Like, they were just so massive. I would recommend heavily watching a Kentucky State football game. I would very much recommend that. Now, with that being said... I will end the show there. Try to get some Sunday night football in. So, yeah, hoping my fantasy teams improve. Hopefully your teams do well this weekend. We got conference matchups going around this weekend, like the main week of college football for conference. We got Iowa State taking on Oklahoma State. Again, I think they should win that game. We have got Iowa taking on Penn State, which should be a very interesting game, especially the fact it's at night. And we got you and I playing number 25, Youngstown State at the – no, they're a week away. They have a bye week. Never mind. I take that back. They have a bye week. But still, I'm excited to see that game. That was a game I was struggling with when we were doing the preseason predictions. I think I had you and I losing that game, so I'm intrigued to see what happens there. But we got some good matches. Like, let, there's some other like great games this weekend. Let me talk about Colorado, Oregon. Was another game in there? Well, let's go over some of the matchups we got going on this week. Week four, college football. Come on, we've got Florida State, Clemson. Awesome game. Uh, we've got UCLA, Utah should be a fun game. Ole Miss, Alabama should be a fun game. We've got Arkansas-LSU should be a fun game. Oregon State-Washington State should be a fun game. we got Ohio State-Notre Dame at Notre Dame. North Carolina-Pitt could be fun. Like We've got some fun, fun, fun games going on this weekend around the world of college football, and I'm here for it. I am 100% here for it. So with that being said, I'm going to sign off here. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you do not, if you did not, sorry, I will try to be better next time. And, yeah, I will see you all later. Peace.